0: This is a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections.
1: No collection of state records can create as varied a snapshot of an era as the reams of correspondence the governor receives. Constituents write about any current topic that they believe needs the governor's attention, whether the governor has any control over the situation or not. Excerpts from this 1883 letter to Governor Glick evoke the lawlessness of Dodge City in its early days. Luke Short was a gambler, a gunfighter, and an associate of Bat Masterson. He was also the part-owner of the Long Branch Saloon, and the arrest of some women who worked in the saloon triggered the beginning of what came to be called the Dodge City War, a conflict between competing business factions in the town that fortunately didn't result in bloodshed. The city had just passed an ordinance against music and dancing in saloons that targeted the Long Branch. Governor Glick did not intervene, but Short regained his business with the assistance of Masterson and Wyatt Earp.
2: May 15th, 1883. To His Excellency the Governor of Kansas, Honorable George W. Glick, Topeka. Dear Sir, The undersigned citizens of Dodge City, Ford County, Kansas, respectfully represent to your Excellency that they are well acquainted with Luke L. Short, who was driven from said city by a band of armed men headed by L. E. Deeger, mayor of the city on the first day of May, A.D. 1883, and we hereby give you the facts as they occurred. First, at a meeting of the newly elected mayor and city council of Dodge City, Kansas, the following appended ordinance was enacted. Out of this came this difficulty. On the evening of the 26th day of April, 1883, Harris and Short employed three women as singers in their place of business or saloon. And on the evening of the 28th, about 9.30 p.m. o'clock, the city marshal and one special policeman entered the Harris and Short Place of Business and arrested these three women under the above ordinance. Mr. Short then went in search of the marshal to have him file a complaint against these women so that they could be released on bonds. Not being able to find the marshal, he, Short, was returning with a party of friends back to his place of business. He and the special policeman, Lewis Hartman, one of the party who made the arrest of these women, when he, Short, accosted him. Say, Lewis, accosting him by his first name, and immediately a shooting affray occurred, shots being fired by both above parties, Hartman and Short. Then Short sent for his attorney, H.E. Gryden, who was warned on penalty of death not to approach within hearing or speaking distance of the calaboose by armed bands of men patrolling the streets and ordered to go to the lower part of the city on pain of death. It is needless to say that he went." Mr. Harris Short's partner then telegraphed to Nelson Adams' attorney at law at Larnard, Kansas to come down on the first train. And when the train arrived, having on board Mr. Nelson Adams' attorney, he was met at the depot by armed men and ordered not to get off at Dodge City on penalty of death, but to go west and take the first eastbound train he could, which he did. At five o'clock the same evening, April thirtieth, 1883, the mayor, with a body of armed men, went to the calaboose, and after opening the door, he informed Luke Short and the five other prisoners that he had come to make them a little talk, which he did in words to this effect, to wit, that a committee of citizens, after due deliberation, had come to the following conclusion that they would keep them there incarcerated till the next day when they would then be escorted to the train and given their choice of trains east or west and should never return to the city, and should they attempt to return, it would be at their peril. Mr. Short and the other prisoners then said, "'What have we done? If we have done anything, give us a trial.' Then the mayor, L.E. Dager, said, We won't give you a trial, and slammed the door in their faces.
1: The governor's correspondence can record the thoughts of other political leaders who write to solicit support from the state's highest official. Francis Willard, president of the Women's National Christian Temperance Union, found a like mind in Governor John Martin. Martin endorsed prohibition, and women gained the right to vote in municipal elections during his term in office. The two issues often went hand in hand.
0: March thirteenth, 1888, Auburndale, near Boston, Massachusetts, Governor Martin, Dear Sir, I wish to know if the municipal ballot in the hands of woman worked advantage to your prohibitory law in the enforcing thereof through men committed to enforcement. It will be a help to the cause if you will let me have your opinion as to the relation of woman's ballot to the securing of enforcing officers." May I also ask if you think the results of observation go to show that woman's ballot tends to protect the home from the saloon, the gambling house, and the haunt of shame? I have derived so much help from your testimony in favor of prohibition that I earnestly desire it on the cognate question or woman's ballot. Yours with high esteem, Frances Willard.
1: People have always turned to the governor for relief from natural disasters. This letter was written by a Sheridan County representative in 1894 during one of the worst droughts in Kansas history.
3: Allison, Kansas, December 24, 1894. Honorable E.N. Morrill, Governor-Elect. My dear sir, I take the liberty of addressing you in regard to a matter of great importance to the people of our county. Our crops for the past two years have been a total failure. And the same condition exists, except in a few localities in this portion of the state. And one-third, if not half, of our farmers will not be able to put in a crop next spring, unless seed is furnished them. The only practicable way I see for them to obtain seed grain is for the state to furnish in the same manner as was done in 1891. And in behalf of the Republicans of Sheridan County, I would ask that you urge on our legislature the necessity of a liberal appropriation to furnish seed to the destitute farmers of western Kansas. And the bill should be passed at an early day so that the farmers could have their seed wheat to sow in March. We tried to call a special election to vote relief bonds under the law of 1875, but our populist county attorney published his opinion that the law was unconstitutional. And in fact, all the leading populists opposed it as they always do any practical measure. So we had to give it up. And as a last resort, call on the state to assist us. And we would like to see our Republican members united in passing an appropriation. It would do more to build up our party in this section at present than any bill they could pass, as it would show our people that for any practicable relief or reform, they must look to the Republican Party. Hoping these suggestions will meet your approval. I am yours, very truly. C.C. Evans, Chairman, Sheridan County Republican Central Committee.
1: As early as the 1850s, women were ridiculed for exploring dress reform, alternatives to the long, hobbling skirts and deforming undergarments that they were expected to wear. No substantial changes came about till after the turn of the century. This letter to Governor Hoke from 1906 explains one
4: woman's practical reasons for wanting to discard her traditional clothing. March 7, 1906 to the Honorable Governor E. Hoke, Topeka, Kansas, sir. The U.S. Attorney General at Washington, D.C., in reply to my letter to him to wear men's clothing, referred me to the federal authorities of my section. My reasons are many. The main one is that stranded here among strangers that I cannot obtain employment hardly at housework, which I am unable to do, brought west by my husband, who, after securing what ready monies he could and too indolent to work, deserted me. His profession was a lawyer and a newspaper man. This climate has further broken my health. It's about four years since. I am gray-haired. Teaching profession is overcrowded even in the territories and those severe examinations to pass. I have many internal complications and rheumatism. I cannot typewrite. My fingers are too stiff and memory not good. How much time allowed to wear them? I had thought of manufacturing something with a little help and traveling, and if possible, get some agents. But it's difficult to do that in this Western country. A lone woman meets with too many insults from men, and you do not know who to trust. Yours respectfully, Mrs. Isabella Barnes, Liberal, Kansas. Postscript. Would I be liable to arrest in other states and territories? Office positions are denied me because I'm a woman. Are there not papers given certifying the granted permission? Our last letter is
1: from a plain-spoken 11-year-old who obviously loves animals and is already aware that water reserves in western Kansas are being spread too thin to support all the living things that depend on them.
0: March 19, 1991. Governor Finney. You may already know about the argument between the farmers and the animals in Cheyenne Bottoms. I don't think that farmers have the right to take over animals' homes. Most animals were here before they even came. The farmers aren't thinking very much of the animals that they're killing, but only of themselves and their land. Animals should not be wasted. That's all we're doing by killing them, is wasting living things. The water is not the farmers, it's the world's. And if they can't grow crops by the amount of rain they get there, they should not be farming in that area. Sincerely, Alicia Kaiser, age 11.
1: When the governor leaves office, the constituents' letters are transferred with the administration's other records to the state archives at the Kansas Historical Society. Years later, the history of Kansas comes alive as we
0: read their words again. This has been A Kansas Memory, a Kansas Historical Society podcast. The documents used in this podcast are part of Kansas Memory, a virtual repository of primary sources from the Historical Society Collections. The URL for the website is www.kansasmemory.org.